What's up? I'm Tyler. And I'm Dakota. And this is the Bourbon and Business Podcast. Where we interview successful businessmen and women to let you in on why success doesn't have a single formula to follow. We also have a little bourbon tasting along the way, because why not? Why not? Why not? So guys, please enjoy this episode and let us know your thoughts at Bourbon and Business Podcast on Instagram. Coming to you from the Bourbon and Business Studio here in the Capitol Club in downtown Jackson, Mississippi. I'm Tyler. And I'm Dakota. And this is the Bourbon and Business Podcast. How you doing this morning, Dakota? I'm doing great, Tyler. It never gets old hearing you say that. I know. We need to like record it because it's like, you know, I don't know. I like it being a little different each time. So. I mean, people come up to me and they're like, man, Tyler's awesome, dude. He's just, this is the <laughs> Bourbon and Business Podcast. It sounds like you're like a... A smooth jazz uh, radio announcer or something. I thought about going into that at one point. You do have the face for it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Well, Dakota, you want to tell us a little bit about our venue today? Um, Yeah. So, obviously, we were at the Capitol Club of Jackson today. The best view in Jackson, no doubt. Um, We are overlooking the Jackson Convention Center right now, and it is a rainy, foggy, misty, cold morning here, but... It's still beautiful. It's great. The membership pricing here is uh, very reasonable. They have event space. They have events. They've got daily lunch. They've got it all, Tyler. Best place in Jackson, in my opinion. And today we're hanging out in the billiards room. Yeah, it's super cool. We're sitting in these leather chairs drinking bourbon. It makes me feel cool. Yeah, you are cool. Thank you. Well, you want to introduce our guest to us this morning? Yeah. Today we have special guest William Chisholm, CEO of River Remedy. William, it's a pleasure to have you today. Thanks for having me on, guys. Really appreciate it. Great to have you today, William. And William kindly brought us some bourbon today. He did. Uh, Off-the-cuff opinion, you know, I'll give my full disclosure because I am a top-of-the-line critiquer. And, you know, I have to give... You've won a few awards, that's for sure. I I have to let everybody know. I do like this bourbon that he brought in, like previous, before he ever brought it in. I'm going to have to... It's Angel's Envy. I'm going to have to give it a nine. A nine. So it's really good. Strong. Bourbon. Yeah. And if it was later in the day, I may give it a higher than a nine, but we're going to go with a nine right now. Well, William, we appreciate you coming on today. Um, we always like to start this off. Kind of just tell us where you're from, where you grew up, and then how you got into the business that you're in today. And tell us a little bit about what River Remedy is. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you all for having me on. Like what you guys are doing for the Mississippi business community is really fantastic and highlighting so many stories of successful folks that, you know, have taught me a lot from your podcast. So I really appreciate what y'all are doing for the, for the business community here. Uh, I'm from Jackson, grew up in Ridgeland and spent my whole life here. Uh, went off to college at Yale, uh, did my undergrad there. And then after graduation, spent several years working in, in the world of finance in, in New York City. So doing investment banking and, uh, did that for about five years rose up the ranks and then uh, decided that I wanted to go back to school. And that was right around the time that medical cannabis was really taking center stage here in Mississippi. And uh, one thing led to another and I went to business school for a year. It's a two-year full-time program in Boston. And after a year decided that it was time to come back here and actually try to launch River Remedy. So uh, very roundabout sort of long process of how we got here and happy to talk more about any of the specifics. But uh actually dropped out of business school to come to River Remedy here in Mississippi, and it's been a thrill of a lifetime. What was the drive for that? Well, for the longest time, I wanted to find a way to get back here and, and do something that 
made an impact in, in, in one way or another. And I think that medical cannabis was a really interesting opportunity because it was one of the only times I could see in my lifetime where there would be a, a new industry starting from scratch in Mississippi, in my home state, where there was a real need for, for this industry. And, and it, there was a real opportunity to build something from scratch and create a lot of economic opportunity while also making an impact for people uh, in their health care. So uh, ultimately, it was the best of all worlds to be able to get back here, be closer to family, and uh, build something from scratch in, in Jackson. Oh, yeah, nice. that's, that's awesome. Well, how, so you grew up in Jackson. So how did you end up at Yale? So I played football in college. Okay. Uh, so if you can imagine, like the Grove, it's right. like, uh, it's like that, but about a, <laughs> about a hundredth of the size, the tailgates at Yale, but, uh, really love playing football growing up and, uh, and, and, and really enjoyed the experience up there. Uh, it was something I wanted to do for as long as I could remember, get out of here and just go see a different part of the world that, but really maintaining a, a focus on coming back here at some point to, to really start something. So go off, see the world, come back and then, uh, and try to build something. And that's what we've done so far. Right. So tell us a little bit about River uh, Remedy. What services do y'all offer? And, you know, because for medical cannabis, to say, especially for Mississippians, there's a lot of, I guess, confusion at this point because it's so new what what's offered and all that type of stuff. Give us a little bit of details on sure. that. Sure. Just so about the program, I know that you've had a couple of guests on here before mm-hmm. that um, have shed some wisdom on mm-hmm. or shared some wisdom on, on, on the industry. But a little bit of background. It's a, it's a medical program, so you have to have... Uh, to participate in the program, you got to have a, a medical card, uh, and we are one of the many players in this industry that is on the production side. So there's really two or three main categories of the industry. There's there's cultivation, and there's processing, and then there's dispensaries, and then there's all these other ancillary licenses. But we're what you call a vertical operation. We're vertically integrated, so we own the means of production. What we do at River Remedy is we produce cannabis inside in these very hyper- uh, environmentally controlled facilities, hyper-regulated facilities. Uh, we take that biomass, we turn that into processed goods. We have a wholesale distribution network where we send our products all over the state. We actually have a dispensary in Byram as well, and we're, we're actively expanding our dispensary footprint too. So uh, we do just about everything except actually test the cannabis because all the testing facilities have to be owned independently from the, from the actual producers. So, uh, we are a tier two out of six in terms of our canopy size, which means that we're just a sort of medium-sized player, but have been able to carve out some really nice market share here in the last last year. And, and we were the first to actually ship product across the state uh, earlier in uh, 2023. So it's been a very dynamic, exciting year. And we, we try to do a little bit of everything. Um, our core focuses are cultivation and processing, obviously, but there's a massive logistics component as well. And it's like having four or five businesses under one roof. You know, you've got medical grade indoor agriculture. You've got food processing and manufacturing. You've got packaging. There's a massive compliance and inventory control component. There's distribution. There's brick and mortar retail, all in the most challenging and regulatory environment that you could possibly imagine in a, an emerging market, market in, a, in a sort of nascent industry. And all those things make it a very challenging but exciting space to operate in. Mm-hmm. What what are some of those challenges? I know you named a few there, but uh, could you give us a little bit more specifics on like the regulation challenges and the compliance challenges and the you know logistics challenges and things like that? Yeah, I think all of the challenges in the medical cannabis industry, or I would say most of them, ultimately stem from the regulatory approach, both federally and and across the state. And each state has its own different set of rules and regulations, their own idiosyncrasies and, and quirks. 
Uh, I think the challenge from a business standpoint is that these regulations uh, create really interesting sort of wonky markets where there's all these discontinuous risks, meaning sort of things that can come out of left field that have really material impacts on your cost structure and your revenue opportunities. Uh, I think for, for us in Mississippi, it is an interesting market in the sense that there is theoretically unlimited supply because there's no limitation on licenses and uh, there's benefits and, and considerations to that. Obviously, we were able to get a license. If we were, uh, if there were a limited license state here uh, or that kind of framework, we might not have gotten one. Uh, but that allowed us the opportunity to compete. But there's actually capped demand because you can only consume so much. There are limitations on what a patient can buy. So demand is super inelastic and supply of cannabis is actually pretty, pretty inelastic too because of how the production cycle works. So, um, I guess that's to say that the, the overall regulatory framework here is an opportunity. It provides an opportunity for all kinds of, of people to get into the space, but it's a very challenging space to operate in because of the supply demand dynamics. And then when you add in all the other regulatory pieces where you've got to have very sophisticated, robust inventory control protocols, and you've got to have a really highly trained team, we treat those challenges like opportunities because we believe that we can outoperate people and we want to uh, take those in stride and, and turn those into competitive advantages by simply rising to the occasion and, and leading through excellence. Uh, but overall it is, it is challenging. You know, there's a term stroke of the pen risk, you know, there's regulators overnight can issue some change or, or requirement that fundamentally changes how you do business all the way across the board. And I think being vertically integrated helps insulate you from a lot of those risks because you can see what's coming down the pike. But at the same time, uh, you have fewer vendors, you have fewer banks you can work with, you have fewer insurance companies you can work with, all because of the federal status as a Schedule One substance. So it's sort of like trying to build a complicated manufacturing business with one hand tied behind your back. Right. It's fun, but it's it's hard. All right. Well, and I think you touched on something. If you go back and look at all the great business people that have been in the United States over the years, all of them had to take some sort of risk and, and a lot of times come up with a different method of doing something that no one ever thought of. So I think that that goes a long way to say that that's, you know, y'all are operating that way and saying, Hey, maybe this hadn't been thought of, or maybe we can do it this way within the guidelines of whatever the regulations are, because you're always going to have those, um, in an industry, especially if it has anything to do with medical side of things. Of so one question I have about, uh, medical marijuana how does it operate from a state to state level so are you able are y'all able to grow here and ship it to other states or what how does that work sure so there's i believe around 40 states in the u.s that have some kind of program and they they vary tremendously in, in terms of whether that's adult use i.e recreational access or medical the big no-no in cannabis is no interstate commerce so you have all these really isolated markets where Simply, you go across the border into Tennessee or Alabama, and it's a totally different regulatory environment. So the short answer is no, you can't actually operate across state lines mm -hmm. with the physical movement of product. But there are multi-state operators that have brands deployed in multiple states, or they have operations in different states. But this is one of those challenges. You can't achieve economies of scale because uh, you can't have a central regional distribution hub for all of your cannabis. You can do that for your packaging or mm -hmm. your hardware, but you can't do that for the actual biomass with the THC in it. So there's no interstate commerce. And I think that, uh, that's a, a, a path we've gone very far down as a, as a country. And I think that's going to be very hard to unwind, but that means that places like Mississippi 
can have a real local economy, a real uh, independent economy from the rest of the nation because we're insulated for better or for worse. And some states have more attractive economic conditions than others because of the supply demand dynamics we talked about earlier. But, you know, I think Mississippi is um, an interesting place to do business for sure in terms of medical cannabis, because it's a, it's a new market. It's taken some of the best and, and most effective policies from other states, or at least we've tried to do that here and, and make something work. And we found that the, the regulators and the lawmakers are, very commercially friendly uh-huh. uh, and, and, and want this program to succeed. What does that supply demand dynamic look like? What, what is our supply currently in the medical cannabis industry and, and what's the demand for it? Are, are they matching? Is one significantly greater than the other? So I'll start with the demand first. So the, the, the sort of euphemism for the black market in cannabis is they call it the, the traditional market. That's everywhere. We don't know how big it is. It could be 300 million. It could be a billion dollars here. And that's just, weed that's grown in other parts of the country. And there's always been that here, but it's not as big as out West. The demand here is limited to the amount of spending power that patients who have medical cannabis cards here possess. So that's driven by the number of people that have medical cannabis cards. So that number is approaching 30,000 cards that are issued. And we know about how much each of those people spend per month based off broader market data. So that's your demand. And there are certain limitations on that demand about when you can buy it and how often you can buy it. The supply, like we discussed earlier, is is different for different product <clears throat> categories. So for flour, for example, that's just the the cultivation aspect. That's the uh, the stuff that you know you you combust and and and, and smoke. Uh, there's a lot of supply of flour here, and that is a product of people trying to get into the industry quickly, build quickly, build a lot of infrastructure. Uh, and there's no, you know, it's very hard for the supply to adjust because the production cycle for cannabis is so long. You take really about six months from the start of a process to actually harvesting it to market. So there is an oversupply of flour in this market for sure. Uh, on the processing goods side, like edibles and vaporizers, it's, that's less so. And I think that it's ironic because that's actually more scalable and you can ramp up and down more quickly, but, uh, that means that producers are able to adjust more quickly too, because you can make a vaporizer out of some THC distillate in a, you know, a couple of days, whereas flour takes six months from start to finish. So, uh, we're making decisions now about stuff that's going to be harvested in the spring and sold in March and April. So it's, uh, you got to think very far in advance in terms of months with cultivation, but for processing, it's really days or weeks. Well, Dakota, I think it's a good time for a bourbon break. Yes, I agree. Angel's Envy. This was delicious. William, thank you so much for bringing this on. I'm going to give it an 8.6. 8.6. Yeah, very smooth. Very smooth. Great flavor to it, too. I appreciate you landing there. So. You're welcome. Well, back to the podcast. Well, uh, William, you know, you said that you had a background in finance before you moved back to Mississippi. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background in finance. Yeah, so I worked at a bank called Barclays. We did. It's a big <laughs> If you guys are unfamiliar, Barclays is a major bank. It's a, yeah, and we, I love the way Williams like, I worked at a bank. It's called Barclays. I'm yeah. like, no, dude, you worked at Barclays. <laughs> yeah. I, Maybe I, you heard of it before. Yeah. It's, uh, it was an amazing experience for somebody coming right out of, of undergrad. And, um, it's, uh, it's a large investment bank with, you know, tens of thousands of employees, but was located in New York and did a couple of things there under the, under that roof. And most people, work for two years really hard. They get burned out and they go to a corporate development or buy side job, you know, private equity or hedge fund. And I decided to stick it out 
And, uh, I, you know, the reason there was, I just thought there was a lot more to learn under that roof before, before I left. And, uh, uh, figured out pretty quickly that I really liked working there. It wasn't something I wanted to do for the rest of my life, but there was so much to learn, so many really cool, interesting opportunities. You know, what other industry at, at 23, 24 can you be working directly with a public company CEO on a transaction? And that's something that investment banking in New York gave me the opportunity to do. And I'm really thankful for that experience. And it really taught me a lot of really good habits about work quality, attention to detail. How to think on your feet too. Yeah. Cause that's a fast paced environment, investment banking. For sure. I mean, it, it, it's all, it depends on really what you're doing. There's sort of sales and trading. Like you see the, the people on the, on the stock trading floor, uh, shouting back and forth. There's, there's that. And then on the other side, there's the sort of low and slow, uh, M and A processes that take months, if not years to complete. And, and I sat in a, a seat that was sort of in the middle of those two worlds. So it was really cool for me to see the different aspects of the bank being centrally located within what was called capital markets. And I got a chance to do different things there too, different, different industries, all the way from technology to natural resources. So getting exposure to different industries and, and working with different types of leaders was, was really cool. How would you contrast like life and business in New York versus in Jackson, Mississippi? I mean, that's a complicated question. <laughs> um, I think in New York, it's uh, there's, there's more of a workaholic culture for yeah. sure. I think that could be, unhealthy uh now as a as a you know somebody in their young 20s early 20s that wants to work really hard and learn a lot that's a it's the best place in the world to be it's an amusement park for 23 year olds mm-hmm. um i think the 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 work culture up there is that there's longer days there's more hours you're sort of always on call whereas coming to mississippi i think there's more of a deliberate intentional respect for work life balance which i think is is healthy and productive uh, and it's been interesting trying to apply some of the sort of cultural learnings I, I took from that job to River Remedy, setting a really fast pace, asking more from people, doing more with less. You know, I think that there's there's a lot of learning that has to take place. But I think that, you know, there's no right or wrong way to do business. But I definitely think that getting that experience in that hyper competitive, fast pace, super, super high stakes environment was was really valuable. Uh, not that that's not present here. It's just that uh, I had a very intense experience very early on. Well, we appreciate you coming on today. Uh, we would like to get your take on the bourbon. Well, I know you brought it, but <laughs> I'm biased. So we, we talked a little bit about Yale football earlier. My my dad discovered this at a, at a tailgate uh, my freshman year. That's the best way to discover a good bourbon, man. Absolutely. And and he turned me on to it. And this is uh, this is finished, I believe, in, in port casks. It gives it a little bit of a sweeter finish to it. And uh uh, I'm, I'm a fan, you know, I'll go nine with you, nine? Uh, okay. but, but, uh, obviously bias. So you're gonna have to haircut that a yeah. little bit. <laughs> well, we'll land at 8.8 on the, uh, angel. Yeah. Uh, should have let the finance guy do the math. For yeah. Me, yeah. So. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, we'll land at 8.8 and, uh, just tell, we always like at the end to give you time to tell our listeners if they're, you know, have questions or they're in the medical cannabis space, maybe they have a card. How would they uh, get in touch with your company to get your products? Uh, well, we have a, a website, riverremedyms.com. Uh, we are not able to do paid advertising, so we rely on our website and social okay. media. Uh, so just check us out on Instagram or, or Facebook. And if you're looking to get into the, the industry, the best advice I could give you is do what you're good at now and just apply that to cannabis because there's a need for really strong talent and uh, there's a lot of businesses around here hiring. So don't be afraid to jump in. Nice. Some well, we appreciate you advice. coming on today. Uh, to all our listeners, uh, if you would, go follow us on social media and give us a rating on however you stream this podcast, a five-star rating. If it's below that, don't give us one. So, <laughs> see you next week. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. 
If you have any feedback or would like to be featured, reach out to us at bourbonandbusinesspodcast at gmail.com. Or find us on Instagram at bourbonandbusinesspodcast. Thanks again for listening. Follow us for more content and info on the next episode.